Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast, uh, your weekly podcast about film photography with me, Aid, and my co-host Graham and a new friend that Graham is going to introduce us to. I think he might be a little bit quiet but Graham is going to tell us all about him, aren't you mate? How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you Aid. and as you pointed out tonight, uh, I am joined by Ronald. Ronald is the newest member of my family. Um, it's, it's a bit early to say... I think he might be my favourite member of my family. He's already moving <laughs> the charts. Those kids better watch out. But, uh, yep, Ronald joined the clan. Um, and Ronald is my large format camera. I've got him. He's here. He's totes adorable. Uh, Hooray! Yeah, he's great. As I mentioned last week, his, his, his full name is a bit of a mouthful. He's a... Plowbell Peiko Super 2. Um, but for some reason, he's called Ronald. He has a sticker on the front of him with the name Ronald on it. Oh, does he? Yep, he does. Um, <laughs> I asked the guy who I picked him up from, who's a, a youngish man, um, and said, uh, why, why is he called Ronald? And he went, well, I don't, I don't really know. It was something to do with the person. I, I said, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's Ronald. I'm prepared to accept that his name is Ronald and move on with my life. Uh, Ronald is a lot easier to say than Plowbell Peiko Super 2 anyway. Mm, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I only know the brand Plowbell actually as having made uh, medium format range finders, uh, which I think we're, we're the bellows often, I think. Um, uh, that's, that's all I know them from. I don't really know much history about the company at all. They do make very high end stuff. The, the, the yeah, the Plowbell six by seven, and um, so yeah, some of their medium format stuff is amazing, high quality stuff that uh, I will never have in my grubby paws. So that's for sure. Um, but no, they they are also a manufacturer of large format equipment, um, and I'm not sure whether they uh, an ongoing concern, but certainly for a very long time they've been making stuff and. Um, Ronald, as I said, dates back to the 1950s, I think mid-1950s. So he's got, you know, he's got some years on him, but <laughs> the old chap's not in bad shape, considering. Um, so, yeah, I, I went and picked him up on Tuesday. <laughs> I, I got told he, it, the eBay listings, I bought him on eBay, the safe to buy anything. So it's in Marlborough. Great. That's only 45 minutes away. No, turns yeah, that's out, pretty close for you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Turns out Marlborough was a slightly generous... Uh, <laughs> Location. Was it Plymouth or something? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it wasn't far off. It's way out in the sticks, way past Marble. But um, we found it in the end. And on the bright side, because it was so late coming back, we got to swing in and have a kebab in Marble on the way home. So that's pretty good going. Um, except, of course, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, so, a, a brief aside when you're a vegetarian and it's a vegetarian kebab, you think, well, that sounds good. What a vegetarian kebab is, is hummus. Some craft cheese singles and then a load of <laughs> chopped cabbage and onion piled on top of it. It's a it's a taste experience. Um but it's not fantastic. <laughs> Vegetarians and kebabs. So so are there some high points and some low points of your trip that day then? Because Amar, I mean that takes you down towards Lake Oak Abbey, Abbey, wasn't it, where you did a, a field report from uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the home of William Fox Tolbert. Uh, Marlborough itself is a, is a pretty little village. I haven't been there for a few years. Um, you 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 gained, acquired, procured Ronald, uh, which clearly was a high point, and then a low point. <laughs> it did. It, it, 
it was a really interesting combination because, as you said, we, we parked up in Marlborough in the evening. Marlborough's a really nice um, town, actually. It's, it's very sweet, but it's um, very classy. It was a lovely, warm evening, and it felt almost like we were abroad. Oh, this is nice. There's nice tapas bars, and like, it's very trendy. And and yet we're sat in the van eating crappy kebabs. So, yeah, highs <laughs> and indeed lows. Um Okay. I suppose I ought to talk about Ronald a bit, really. Well, you should. You should. So, so let's let, let me ask then, because you just said, uh, you know, he's 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 made in the mid fifties, uh, so he's got a few years on him. But you said he's in good condition generally. Yeah. Well, what does that mean exactly? Okay. Well, this is my first large format camera. <laughs> That's why I wish I had a sticker on it saying my first large format camera. Uh, it is a monorail camera. So there are two basic types of large format camera. There are the monorail types and there are field camera types. The field cameras are the ones that fold up back into themselves and are quite compact but still big and heavy. The monorail types, as the name suggests, have a single rail at the bottom and then the panels at the back and front can be adjusted backwards and forwards and then you have the bellows in between them. Um, and that presumably helps you focus, does it? Exactly. Yes, it's the it's the adjusting the panels back and forwards which sets the focus. Uh, these are bigger and heavier and can only be used with the tripod. There's no other option with that. That has to be mounted on a tripod. Fortunately, my tripod is just strong enough to take the weight of it. Um, I've got a Manfrotto one twenty. I don't know. It's a it's a, a solid Manfrotto tripod. So it's just about strong enough to deal with this um and because it's a, a, a you've got the full range of movements with this so that means that you can tilt the front and the back plane backwards and forwards at an angle you can lift them up and down you can twist them left and right so you can um do all sorts of fun things with them um and the basic structure just seems to be fantastic all the movement seems great it's all because I think when it came out, it was a quality-made German piece of kit. And so that remains true today as it did back then. Um, not lightweight, but quality. The bellows seem to be okay. Oh, that's um, good, because you often read about the bellows, you're having a pinhole in them, and that ruins all the photos and stuff like that. Yeah, and with the camera of this age, it's optimistic to think that there probably aren't some pinholes in there. Um I'm not. I've, I have shot a couple of pictures, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but as yet, I haven't actually shot it with film in it, which is much more light sensitive than what I've been using. And so I haven't seen. I, I did find in the, the bag that it came with um, there there is a roll of thin black tape, and I wonder whether that might be uh. telling of a. Um, and the, the guy who I picked it up from did say, "Look, if you've got any bells, if it finds any things going through, you know, just tape them up." I may well need to do that. So you didn't um, find a you didn't find a small dormouse inside it then? No, like no, that. <laughs> no. I did. Um, the one part of it, and admittedly, this is an important part of it, but the one part of it that definitely is subpar is the lens. Oh, I was going to ask you about the lens. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I wanted to get into large format photography. This has been the thing that I've been thinking about all of this year, and I've gone backwards and forwards on it. And the main deterrent has been it's an expensive hobby to get into at every step of the way. Everything to do with it is expensive. Getting the kit is expensive. The film is expensive. 
what you do with the film afterwards is expensive. And so Ronald is pretty much the cheapest way that I could get into this because I got a camera and the lens for um, £170. Wow. This, this is, I mean, the fact that it was collection only certainly helped, but this is as cheap as it gets because if you look on eBay, you can find camera bodies for about the same amount of money, but not with a lens. The lens really bumps it up. So this it's lens, not a, a Schneider Kruchner lens, then, or whatever they're called. Yeah, it, it, no, it, it is. It's a Schneider Zenar lens. Oh right, it's, okay. It's 180 millimeters, which on a four by five camera is a um, slightly long normal. It's the, an equivalent of about 70 millimeters. Okay, so it's yeah. So, um, but this lens is pretty rough. It's got add cleaning marks on it it's you know it's it's not in good order um i held it i looked through it went yeah that's pretty hazy and buggy but it's a lens i can learn on this i can change the lens in the future if i find that this is a thing that i'm enjoying and doing at least with this i can get started with it um but yeah it, it's going to affect the image quality i'm, I'm not going to get super amazing sharp pictures out of this because the lens is yeah it's <laughs> I am. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it with such obvious and pronounced cleaning marks on it. So Ronald is effectively a giant Holger, then. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's about right. It is a giant Holger. Um, and this is still a thing I need to learn a lot about the shutter mechanism, which is separate. Uh, all seems to be in good order. It's got a compass, and that all seems to be working really nicely. And the shutter speeds seem to be. Oh, what do I know? But it seems to be working about right. Um, so is uh, that on the is that on the front board? Because the front board is it called the lens board? And you have right, that you yeah. just screw the lens in on the front of it, and is the shutter mechanism inside it or on the back of it or something? Yeah, it's the shutter mechanism on the front of the lens board. I I don't really know how it all comes apart properly yet um, because I think it varies. From <laughs> you don't camera. usually have much trouble taking cameras apart, though. Oh, believe me, I've taken this lens into into more than one piece already um, to try and clean it a, a bit to, to what little I could get anywhere with it. Um, so the one shutter bit screws completely off the front. And then you've got the shutter mechanism. And then there's another lens bit on behind the board that kind of holds it all together. Um, I'm not sure if the bit that's behind the board is like a permanent fixture. And then you add the other bits on the, the different focal lengths. I need to, I need to, what I need to do is I need to call into um, secondhand darkroom, my local supplier of all things photography and ask his advice about it. Cause I know he'll know about it. Um, but anyway, I'm not disappointed because on the pictures on eBay, I already had a feeling it might not be in great condition. And um, for the price that I paid for it, I'm quite happy with what I got. I also got um, seven dark slides. I mentioned to you, I think we were chatting on WhatsApp the other day, that I opened these dark slides and they've got film in them. Ooh. Uh, unexposed mm. film. And it's colour film as well. And it's not unexposed anymore if you've opened them, is it? Well, yeah, this is the thing. <laughs> so, Surprise! <laughs> yeah. I um, so I, I opened up three of the dark slides because I was like, well, I don't know what this film is. I suspect it's portrait because also what I found in this bag is some boxes of film. I don't know how many sheets are in them, but there's a couple of boxes of portrait film and a box of Delta One Hundred. Oh, nice, nice films. Now, yeah, I've shoved it in the fridge now. God knows what this stuff's going to be like, but still, I, 
it's film it's free um and i was just going to empty out all the dark sides and take the film out because i don't know how long it's been in there i can't imagine that this has been stored kindly judging by the general condition of the lens and the bag that it was in and stuff um but then i thought well actually i'm going to leave four of the four of the film holders with film in and just give it a go when i get to the point where i'm doing film because what have i got to lose i can try out in the back garden and it'll be good for testing out the process of getting the film out and developing it i think Uh, i think that's a grand plan well you've got nothing to lose really if you're going to develop these things at home and stuff like that you know it's not going to cost you a fortune is it or anything like that no exactly and the nice thing about having the film that i've taken out of the, the holders is that i now have some film that's just scrap that I can practice loading and unloading into the, the film holders in the dark. Because that's the thing that I'm a bit concerned about, because you have to do this in total darkness. So it's a case of opening the box, taking the film out, getting it into the film holder, getting the dark side, and doing all of that in total darkness without making a complete mess of it. Um, so it's great to have some sheets to practice on. Um, all sounds all sounds good. So so now we're getting into in the, the part uh, about where you tell us what it's like to actually take a photograph with Ronald. Okay, so it's cool. I I drove down to pick the camera up with my partner, uh, my long-suffering partner. Oh, she God bless a, her. She got a kebab out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know a picture <laughs> on our Flickr group and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> and she asked me, why did you buy this camera? <laughs> <laughs> clearly she doesn't under, clearly she doesn't understand <laughs> she, she just doesn't get it um and it's quite hard to explain slash justify because i was saying well you could do movements you can do tilt and shifting and you can adjust the focus plane and these things but they don't really mean anything to somebody who isn't into photography at all um and her follow-up question of well, can't you do do this stuff with digital anyway? Is also a bit like, well, no, technically. Um, but a lot. Do you know what? I'd be more concerned about getting all the things aligned to take a simple straight shot. So well, not yeah. having any angles, any tilts, or any shifts, or any offsets, or anything like that. How do you how do you get it straight? Well, this is the joy of it. It is the process of shooting the film. So I'm gonna because I have actually, as I said, shot some pictures. So there's a, there's a real step-by-step process you have to go through so one if you're shooting in bright light you need to use the thing over your head the the cloak over your head which is great (laughs) stuff so what you have to do you set your shutter to be on bulb mode and click it open so that it's wide open so that you can then look through the back to focus your picture so you're looking you've got a fresnel i'm not going to keep saying fresnel even i want to fresnel glass screen on the back your focusing screen so you're looking through and adjusting the length of the bellows by winding the back and front plane further and backwards forwards to, to set your focus plane um and you can even use a loop to check the fine focus on that you can raise and lower the height of the back and front panel if you need to drop you know the image up and down in 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 the screen because it's easier to do that than it is to adjust the tripod when you've got a large format camera on it. So is that is that's the shift then? Is it you're using a shift mechanism to compensate for the tripod not being quite correct? Um, yeah, I guess that yeah that would be the shift. Yes, exactly. Um, and because I'm not going to talk about tilting at the moment because I haven't really mucked around with that, but tilting is when you actually 
tilt the camera, the, the lens board backwards and forwards to adjust the angle of the plane of focus. So instead of just having it vertically in front of you in a straight line, like we do with fixed, you know, with normal camera lenses, you can have that as a diagonal and whatever, so you can get a different plane of focus rather than just straight in front of you. And that's the sort of thing that gives you the miniaturizing effect you see in Instagram photos. Exactly, yes, you're absolutely right. So once, <coughs> excuse me, once you set your focus, you then close the shutter at the front. It's really important you remember to do that. I can tell <laughs> I'm struggling to keep this in my head. Close the shutter at the front. Shut, set the shutter speed and aperture to whatever you've metered for. You then put in your film holder, which completely obscures your so you can't do any focusing as soon as you close the lens you can't focus so you put in your film yeah because presumably you have if you focus onto a ground glass image yeah uh, then you need to get your film as close as possible to that ground glass do you yeah it goes directly in front of it right so the, so the the you pull the film pull the thing back a little bit and push your film holder right down in front of that glass screw so you can't you can't adjust your focus you have to choose what you want put the thing in and then from then on you're just going okay well now I'm just doing this blind uh, you pull out the darks take your picture cock the shutter take your picture put the dark slide back in again but you turn the dark slide around because it's got a white side on one side and the black side on the other so you turn it around so you know you've exposed that sheet pull the, pull the film holder out that's it you've made your picture um, repeat as necessary so what i'm doing at the moment to start to learn the process in the easiest possible way is i am shooting with some paper rather than with film i've got some ilford direct positive paper which i bought to use with my pinhole camera earlier in the year it's four by five perfect Handy. and the advantages of doing this are that i can load and unload this film under a red safe light ah. so i'm not having to do it all in the dark but that makes it far far easier um <coughs> excuse me and i can tray develop it so i don't need to have a film holder to do it i can do that under again under red light so it, it just all of that is much easier the downside for using this ilford direct positive paper is that it's very slow it's so three approximately three three yes <laughs> so even and on does a, it suffer from reciprocity failure as well yes it oh, does no. <laughs> so the one um picture or the couple of pictures but the same thing at the same time that i've taken so far we're on a very very bright sunny day and even with that very bright sunny day with the shutter, with the aperture open to, I think, 6, the shutter speed was still uh, 15th of a second. Um, so got bright sunny day, real nice shallow depth of focus on this picture. And even with the shutter set at 5.6, at a 15th of a second on a bright sunny day, the subject, which was, uh, it's a just a very simple still life because it's all I could find to take a picture of of some silk flowers in the vase the silk flowers which were white are, are exposed everything else is pretty much black 
because it just wasn't throwing enough light back and it, the, the thing was the fence panel behind it was too far away and the film is contrasty anyway so everything else is just black it's super contrasty so that's the downside with using this paper um yeah but it's getting you started though isn't it because i mean you you had that camera and you were posting your first image up on instagram about a day later oh yeah i <laughs> i picked the camera up tuesday night I had a picture developed and um, stuck up to dry by 10 o'clock the following morning because it's like instant photography. I took the picture in the back garden, took pulled out the film loader, walked into the dark room, <laughs> developed it straight away. Um, and yeah, the only bit that slowed it down was having to wash the picture. You have to wash the prints for a long time because it's a fiber-based paper. Those need a lot of washing. You have to rinse them under running water for 60 minutes. I didn't get quite that long, wow. but um, I have a and, water meter at my house. That sounds expensive. Well, it was it was only under a trickle. Shh. Fortunately, my uh, bet half doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, but it was under a trickle of water. I do need to find a better way of doing it. But um, I don't suppose yeah. a water butt would help, would it? The water would be too dirty. It was just a little bit. Um, but yes, it was great. I could just do it straight away and see the results instantly. Uh, so I'm going to definitely do more of this because the other advantage of shooting paper at the moment, despite the disadvantages and the limitations are, that once I've taken a picture, I can just scan it in like an ordinary photograph. Mm. Um, what I need to do, what you can do with this paper, is something called pre-flashing it, which is where you expose it to light for a brief period of time before shooting it which raises the iso a bit and gives you a bit of a baseline so that things aren't just totally black on it so i'm going to do that next that's my next mission but i was in a hurry but getting back to this thing of one large format photography just being expensive and two <laughs> scanning in photographs the one thing that i hadn't really taken into account when i bought it and it probably wouldn't have stopped me anyway my Epson V500 that I used to scan in all my film will scan 35mm and it will scan 120 film. It's not big enough to scan 4x5 film. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I start shooting film, for the time being, for the foreseeable future actually, what I'm going to do is scan it in two pieces and glue it back together, which is going to be a bit of a jip. Um, uh, and and yeah, it kind of takes the shine off it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I I, I hadn't thought about it, and I should have done. Um, you can get scanners that will scan in four by five. The more recent Epsons, I think from the V seven hundred onwards, will scan four by five film. In fact, I think they'll even scan larger. Um, but on the V hundred, what's different about a scanning negatives to scanning photographs is that when you're scanning photographs the light is reflecting up from the bottom the, the from the scanning plate onto the picture and back down and that's how you're getting your scan um, when you're scanning negatives there is another light above so you have a clear panel above as well it scans through that to get the um negative scans so you're effectively backlighting your negatives are you to the scanner exactly yes right, okay and on my scanner, is a thin strip down the middle of the top plate of the scanner. So it's wide enough to do 120 film, 
but that's it. I think on the more recent ones, it's actually the entire top plate is glass as well, um, but not on mine. So, so you'd again, end up with a scan with a big dark bar down the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I said I'm going to have to scan it in two parts. I don't think it's going to be a big problem. It's going to be a new skill I'm going to have to learn with Photoshop elephants. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to scan it in two parts. And a bit like when you try to make a um, panorama in multiple shots, get the software to hopefully glue it back together. I, I hate having to learn new software techniques, but I guess I'm going to have to because a, a new scanner is going to cost about £400. So that's going to have to wait a while. Um, but yeah, that's the one problem with large format. It's all a bit expensive. <laughs> well, okay. Do you know what, though? I'd like to officially welcome Ronald to the Sunny 16 family. He sounds like an amazing find an amazing acquisition and i look forward to seeing all the different ways in which you uh, get to take photos of a large format um, i'm really looking forward to having a play around with him um <laughs> although someone said oh, are you gonna take that off street photography uh no <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't gonna be my question actually my question was gonna be yeah given that you've got a summer holiday coming up are you gonna take him on holiday with, with you uh, and maybe yeah. leave one of your children behind <laughs> You know, funnily enough, you're not the first person to ask the question. I think when, when Sinead, my better half, saw it, she also asked that question. I'm actually in the process now of sorting out what I am going to take with me, um, film and camera-wise. And I've actually realised this evening I'm going to have to have a bit of a rejiggle of my plans because... I bought some film specifically to take with me. We talked a couple of weeks ago, I might even have been a week ago, um, about my discovery of Nick and Trick photography. Ah, yes, we did, yes. And I have tried them out. Uh, I ordered some film from there this week, and I'm really excited to try it out because I have ordered some of the Kodak motion picture film. Um, ah. I have ordered two rolls of the 250D and two rolls of the 50D Kodak motion picture film. Um, and, yeah, that's going to be my colour film for the trip. Uh, the only problem <laughs> is that it's non-DX coded, and I've just realised that the camera that I was planning on putting it in takes DX coded film, because um, I wanted to put it in my Nikon LF AF2, the point and shoot um nikon that i was telling you about and does that not have a manual iso setting then it doesn't uh, which is a real bugger um so i'm gonna have to have a rethink on that because none of my point and shoots have manual well apart from the olympus trip um which i could take but i'm not really i've just shot a roll of film through that um, and which is currently hanging up to dry. Um, so I don't really want to take the Olympus trip out again. Uh, so it's probably going to have to be in an SLR. Um, I'm most of the way through a roll of ordinary color film in my OM one. So I'll probably click through that and then put the vision film in that. Um, but yes, that plan backfired a little bit on me, but I'm really excited to try this vision film. Uh, and I just want to say, as a first experience of using Nick and Trick film, uh, they are getting 10 out of 10 from me. Um, the Because I got my film, it came with a really useful leaflet on how to deal with this film. 
Um, oh, the, this is the, the ramjet on the back thing then. Exactly, yes. So they've got a whole sheet of there saying the order to do it in. They actually recommend developing the film, not in the C41, but in RA4 developer, which I think is the developer you used to develop colour prints. Um, I know that they sell that on their website for, I think, £10 for a thing of RA4, so I may pick that up to develop it, because I've got four rolls, so why not? Hmm. Um, and yeah, they give tips. Can I ask you something, Cade? What's washing soda? No, I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. I feel like this washing thing comes up. Soda. Yeah, I feel. Is it the flakes or something? I don't know. It feels like a thing from a bygone age. But anyway. say it feels like the sort of thing we need to ha- hold a séance, and I'll ask my grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who? Who? It's just the way casually you mix up some washing soda because that's the thing somebody has. Um, Maybe it's the sort of thing you you um, soak your clothes in before you put them in a washing machine or or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll take them out to your blue and take them down to your stone to bash them against it in the river. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I need to get some washing soda. Um, because the, the Remjet is the thing with this film that it makes it a bit more of a hassle because it's this thick, black, sticky material. It's not sticky, but it's this thick, black material on the back of the film. And the reason that it's there is because this is a motion picture film, it's to help it go through a film camera, like a motion picture film camera, smoothly and without jamming up. You know, you are but, starting to sound like a segment on the Film Photography Podcast right now. <laughs> I know. Well, those are the guys that inspired me to use this stuff. So, yeah, much of shout-outs to them. But it does need to be washed off anyway. So I've got it. I'm excited to use it, but I need to figure out, yeah, give some more thoughts. Because I really want to travel light. I actually had planned on taking a four-camera minimum, maximum, <laughs> minimum. minimum. <laughs> minimum probably more accurate. That's a bit of a Freudian slip, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um but I'm not quite sure what I'm going to go. But yeah, so I got this, because that 50 ISO film, if we get some really nice sun, that'd be great for going down on the beach and taking some shots. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that. But yeah, so it came with this sheet from Nick and Trick on how to deal with that. It came with a handy sheet. You were asking before, eh, whether they do film developing there. They most certainly do. And will they do the whole Remjet film that they sell then as well? They most certainly do. They do, um, yeah. Then, and they do it using the RA4 developer for true colour and contrast rendition, a specialist service offered by them. And they do dev and dev and scan. Um, the only thing is, it mentions on here, uh, I'm going to mention to you because it's useful information, that because they're upgrading their equipment, they will not be processing films in September. So uh, you have to wait for that. Um, and they do uh, developing of 127 film, 126, 110, 828 film. They do 110, do they? They ah. do 110. Subject close uh, to my heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think you know, it's one of those things, if you've got something really weird, give them a call. They may be able to help. Um, so that's very handy. But the coup de gras, the reason why Nick and Trick have gone straight to number one in my heart for just people in the world is... Can you hear that? That's the sound of a little bag of moa. I'm not moa, I'm star mix. There was a bag of sweets in my <laughs> film. I just like, well, thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. Have you ever bought anything from anyone else ever and got some Haribo included? It's a little bag of happiness with my little bag of happiness film that came. So, Nick and Trick, two thumbs up from me. Um, really excited to try the film. The film was a good price. I think it was... Uh, 
£4.75 a roll or £4.95 a roll for the film, which for high-quality colour film is a very good price. It is. Um, I tried to buy some film this week because I looked in my fridge and realised I was running out. And um, it's things like a, a 35 mil roll of portraits up to about eight quid now. And it's just like, wow, it, it seems to have hiked up a couple of quid a roll in the last few months since I last bought a bulk load. I think maybe you were just lucky to get it cheap before. But yeah, good quality colour film is expensive. If I go into my local boots and want to pick up a roll of um, Fuji Superior or if they've got any Kodak Ultra or something like that, that's going to cost me six, seven pounds. So to have got rolls of high quality motion picture film for under a fiver, and I think the postage and packaging was uh, under three pounds for the three dollars film. So it it's a good cheap way to get hold of high quality film, and uh, you get a bag of sweets with it. <laughs> but what more than you said, get a bag of sweets with it. So okay, um, okay. well that I mean that sounds brilliant. Well well done for to Nick and Trick for for impressing you i you know i'm not often we hear you unreservedly compliment somebody <laughs> no no oh well listen pro tip for anybody who wants to get unreserved compliments send a bag of sweets okay yeah that's all, all right need to so do. uh well in which case then i'm going to call a quick musical interlude uh whilst i send you a bag of sweets and then <laughs> and then we'll talk about my cheap shot challenge results yay And you're back in the room. Right. <laughs> so we've been running for some little while a thing we call the Cheap Shot Challenge. And uh, we've had various conversations uh, in the podcast and loads of them outside of the podcast, uh, mostly derising, derising, deriding each other for the choice of camera. Um, Graham, just to remind our loyal listeners, uh, you chose one now affectionately known as the Olympus Fugly. <laughs> and I chose one uh, that you laughed at a lot, which was the Voigtlander Vitaret 110. Yeah, I did laugh at it a lot. I'm uh, sure I'm not done laughing at it. I, I feel that I feel there's more guffaws in there somewhere for a later date. I'm do you know what? That. You're you're going to be right, and I think there's going to be some assignments where it really doesn't suit the assignment in the way that you said uh, a couple of weeks ago. You were saying it was quite challenging uh, with the fugly to actually get what you needed out of it for the street photography challenge we've just been through. Uh, but uh, happily. Uh, the Voigtlander Vitaret 110 EL in all its glory, um, all its tiny candy bar style glory, actually has really uh, done the job for the street photography. Uh, anybody who wants to see uh, what's come through that challenge, uh, I've posted a few to Instagram and to Twitter, uh, but I've also posted a few more to our Flickr group, uh, the Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group. And I have to say, I'm really pleased with the way it came out. I, I yeah, I, uh, as I suspected I would be, I am surprisingly impressed with them. Um, they The auto exposure has done a good job because the shots that you shared on here are mostly taken in London whilst you're out and about. Why wouldn't you? It's a street photography thing. And that means there's a lot of bright light from the sun and deep shadow from the buildings. And I, I think if there was somewhere that, where that camera could have fallen down horribly, it would have been trying to cope with exposing those. Um, I'm looking at a picture now uh, of 
I don't know what it is actually. It's an elephant's head and an escalators. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a part of Waterloo Station actually, um, and for some reason there's this sculpture of half an elephant that hangs on the wall above some escalators down into the Jubilee line. Mm. I really like the shot. I love the I love the shape of the um, escalators moving through. It's got a real nice graceful curves to it, and this elephant's head is perfectly positioned. And then a bus going past in the background, which are, you, this, the shutter speed must have been quite slow for that because that bus is nicely streaked out. It um, is, and uh, you can't. You, what you can't see is there's actually tons and tons of people on the escalators as well. Really? So how did you take that picture? Well, I pointed it, and then there's a little <laughs> button on the top. <laughs> Don't you baffle me with science. <laughs> That's the shooting button. <laughs> so, what, what I was meaning, you sarcastic git, is were you resting on something at the time? Because I know you, you, you shake like a, a, a drunken sailor. Well, I do drink a lot of black coffee. Yeah. Um, no, it, honestly, uh, it was a surprise to me. Uh, you know, what I have literally been just holding it in, in two hands, trying not to get my finger in front of the lens, which I did for about 90% of the shots. And... Uh, really it's just hold it with two hands and shoot and you know i uh, it has two aperture settings a sunny and a cloudy and because i was mm-hmm. indoors i put it on the cloudy and let it do its thing um it, uh, there were one or two shots where i was surprised at how long the shutter was open for and i wondered if they'd come out yeah um this one i don't recall being surprised it is a little bit it is a little bit blurry there's a bit of camera shake as well as a bit oh, of hardly movement any there. i mean well given that given that you know that i'm looking at it closely i can kind of vaguely see where people were but unless those escalators were going at a terrifying speed and firing people out the top of them like a cannon um <laughs> that that shutter speed has got to be getting on towards half a second i would guess it's slow. i would have thought so yeah and um, I suppose it's one of the advantages of having a real small, real lightweight camera with quite a wide lens is that you can get away with hand-holding a lot more than I mean, I don't think I could hand-hold Ronald for a billionth of a second, let alone a half a second. Um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but, but this like is that. a tiny, tiny negative. Uh, mm. Same size. Uh, I think it's about 13 by 17 millimetres, which is just about the size of a micro four-thirds sensor. Uh, and the and like a micro four-thirds sensor, uh, the normal focal length is 24 mil and that's exactly what this camera has yeah Uh, it's a 24 mil lens so it is pretty short focal length and that does of course help with the camera shake yeah my favorite picture um because i like all the ones you've got but um obviously you know some pictures are more equal than others my favorite one is the picture um of I think it's hard to say what the picture is of, really. It's just a street scene, but it's got this lady in front of you with a back to you with, the, with an orange um, top on. And next to her, well, close to you, but back to her, is this great orange pipe. And then there's a building in front to the left of her with orange brick. And I, just, I love the colour in this picture. The colour and the light's fantastic. And because of where the light's coming through, the lady's hair has got rim lighting or whatever the heck it's called um but it's just i i just love the color the echo through the three things and the and even the traffic light's got a bit of red in it and the nice yeah that's my favorite one well thank you very much um the the color of the three things is is somewhat accidental the light though is on purpose what you're Mm. seeing there the sun is actually in front of the camera but because there's buildings in the way the sun isn't in the shot so the the rim lighting on the hair of the various people and on the the taxi cab is is all because the sun is in front of me Mm. but what you um i'm standing beside a, a glass building you get this a lot in the city 
because all the buildings are very reflective. So uh, the building behind me is a lot newer than the ones that are in the photograph. And what you're seeing, the reason that people are lit up so well uh, as I'm looking at them is that the sunlight is reflecting off the building. Yeah. Um, otherwise, of course, they'd be more or less silhouettes. Um, but if you like, the, su the the building is acting as a massive great reflector and is providing gotcha. the fill light for the shot. Um, uh, and I see that it's one of the things I look for a lot in my street shooting around London. I mean, it doesn't work with street shooting everywhere because, of course, not everywhere has massive glass buildings. Yeah. <laughs> but you quite often get it. And it's something you can quite often take advantage of as a as a street photographer around the city of London. Oh, it's worked really well. I really like that one. And, yeah, it's it's the lighting and just... Uh, just the balance and the color the color is so striking in it um i'm i'm very impressed with how it's rendered those colors it's... i i'm impressed by it as well actually and in fact i think i'm quite liking you know overall the lomo tiger 200 film i think one of the reasons you've got so much in these shots is that uh, the camera thinks it's shooting about 100 asa or yeah. iso and the film is 200 iso and so every shot is overexposed. But of course, what you get with film is it soaks that up and, and you know, you have much more of a, uh, a curve to, to overexpose rather than, oh, I've hit 255, I'm white now all over, bye-bye, all the detail that you'd get on from a digital. So, yeah. you know, it, re it, it really doesn't matter that this modern colour 110 film is not one of the ISO settings that 110 was ever invented for. Actually, it works quite well. Yeah, no, it does. Um, what? Okay, I, I'm I'm terrible because I'm always nearly negative. What's been the downsides with it? Um, the, the there's not a lot actually for this particular challenge. No, because what no. you've got here is a camera that's really really quiet. Um, it can fit easily in your trouser pocket without any bother. I mean, it is smaller than a Mars bar and uh and you know it doesn't disturb people so when you're taking pictures of people they don't suddenly look you know look around and go what was that enormous noise of a mirror slap you know it's like and it's, oh, i'm sorry it's my hassle blad <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's dave's because i don't actually have one and i have to borrow his but <laughs> yeah, you don't get any of that um and it's and, and so you know it's completely inconspicuous um downsides of it easy to get your finger in front of the lens and i did that a couple of times uh, because, <laughs> there were course, a few shots where you done that were there yeah i think there were two off a roller 22 or so i got 22 23 shots off the roll um uh, and another downside is the viewfinder is tiny and it has frame lines etched into the viewfinder as well which make it even more tiny <laughs> so yeah i mean it's handy to have frame lines but it's um uh, it, it does mean that you're trying to you, you really are trying to compose through the wrong end of a telescope essentially yeah um, uh, and so that that would be one of its downfalls um, so can but, you remind me because I can't remember is this an autofocus camera or is it a fixed focus camera uh, it's a fixed focus camera because I mean looking at your pictures it's hard to because it's all fairly bright and sunny it's obviously got a very wide depth of field anyway um, you know, everything's in focus pretty much, isn't it? it? It is. And I can't remember what the apertures are. There's two apertures it has. I think they might be five, six and eight or they're eight and 11. So they're not wide. They're, they're not big apertures anyway. And it's only a 24 mil lens on a tiny negative. So, you know, you get all of uh, you get all. Basically, you've got a, a small negative point and shoot camera, which actually means that, 
you know you're not you're, everything's going to be in focus everything from about two feet in front of you is going to be in focus yeah the other thing and it has to be brought up i cause i think this camera is a perfect post to instagram camera but where it does fall down a bit is in that negative size because there's some small negative and when they get blown up bigger they don't stand up quite so well do they not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. <laughs> uh, I mean, even if you just on a normal computer screen, uh, you know, look at them. Uh, there isn't a lot of detail, and there is a lot of grain. Yeah. And do you know what? It depends on what you're trying to do. Um, I it's 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 a look. Yeah. No, I. I completely it's not get... one I'd want all the time, but it's not one I don't like either. I do no. actually quite like the look. And the thing is, I mean, and I I've just clicked now on Flickr because I'm on my computer. And I've just clicked on the image of the one I particularly like um, with the lady in orange. And because of the size of the, the image you've uploaded, that blows up real big. I mean, this image is, bruh, I don't know how I'm bad at judging size, but that's a bigger than eight by 10 image on my screen. It's bigger than my computer screen. And you know, it still looks all right. It still looks okay. I mean, I think particularly with that one, because the lighting is so great in it. If, so, if I saw that as a print that big, even with the grain as it is, and and the colour noise is quite noticeable as well. But I think this picture still looks good. I think it's. I really do think it looks good. Um, I think some of the others it's more noticeable, but it, it really shows that if you really if you get the subject right in it, actually, you know, the the grain and the noise don't matter because I really do think that 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 still looks. It has a real class to it. Um, that I really like. Yeah, I love that picture. Well, thank you kindly, sir. Um, it makes a change to hear some complimentary uh, talk about my Vitorette. <laughs> it will never last. <laughs> it won't last because the next one will be something like um, uh, whatever the next challenge Macro is. Which we photography. Do. Yeah, and, it, and it's not going to be great at that. There's a whole bunch of stuff it's not going to be great at. I think I just got a bit lucky on this first one in the same way that I think you maybe have got a bit unlucky in the first one in your choice of film and the camera you chose. And next time <laughs> around, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a chunk easier. But I just actually i suppose come a time where because we've been talking about this for weeks now and yeah. i was really late to the time but it is now i think time to uh, to close the cheap shots challenge round one ding ding indeed and and to uh, to think about what happens next and yeah. so you and i have been talking about this and our inclination is to get an independent review of some of the contributions so not just your photos and my photos but all the other people that uh, had a go at this and joined in uh, be it ian or carl or any of the others and uh let's declare a winner yeah yeah, we're going to get on that, um, and um, we need to persuade somebody to do it and pass judgment. But we'll within the next month or so, we'll get someone to do that. And so I'm only prepared to do this if you promise not to cry. I'm not <laughs> because you, when we've launched this, you were really, really competitive. Oh, okay, when you say cry, does that include screaming, shouting, ranting like a baby, throwing myself on the floor, and pounding my fists? Well, how would we know that? that that was any different from your normal behaviour? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, arguably that is my normal behaviour. Um, I'm making no such promise. Um, but I just want to say very uh, quickly on this one, because I know um, that there would be people listening to this who weren't around listening at the beginning of the um, Cheap Shots Challenge. This is going to be a thing that we come back to, and it's never too late to take part. So if you haven't picked up 
a camera within this last month and a bit that we've been doing this. Keep your eyes peeled. You know, everyone that's bought one so far, you're locked in. You're not changing it. Tough noogies. I'm naming this squarely at you, Aid. Um, <laughs> but if you have it and you want to take part next time, all that you're looking for is a camera. And, and you can buy the camera and get the roll film later. But the idea is just don't spend any more than £20 or was it $27, Aid? Did we work out? Uh, we, at the time, the pound was in a state of flux because of Brexit. So we didn't really... I think a, pow- a pound was worth about 20 cents at that point. <laughs> I think it's bounced back a bit. So maybe it's $30. Yeah, so pound, uh, £20, $30, somewhere around there. Find a cheap camera and one you can get a roll of you know under that budget too and then you'll be all ready for next time for whatever comes up next um whether it's uh portraits or nature or landscapes or artistic nudes it won't be artistic nudes um whatever it may be um <laughs> please you know keep your eyes open keep an eye on the charity shops keep an eye on ebay keep an eye on beating up elderly relatives and stealing their stuff any of these things is great um but yeah the more people are joining the merrier Okay, do you know what? It's that time in the podcast right now where we do shout outs. So not only is that a call to arms for the next round, but actually we can name some people. And I know you've got, as you always do, uh, a few shout outs to do. Yeah, I just want to preface this because the conversation has been had for the last, well, I guess, 16 years now about digital versus film and the reasons for and against and why one is better than the other. And I'm going to say here and now, that one of the main reasons I think that shooting film is an advantage over shooting digital is that the film community is awesome. It's just, you will struggle to meet a more supportive, friendly, lovely bunch of people than are out shooting analog cameras. And um, when you get into it, you're joining a club and it's not not everyone's part of it. Not everyone's going down this road, but the, those that have, you know that you've got something in common with them that you want to take your time and make something interesting. And, um, and yeah, it's been great this week. A lot of people have been out there helping us to promote the podcast and just generally being awesome. Um, the first one, and this has to be the first on the list, because after the introduction to the show last week where I was getting very excited about the fact that we've got one listener in Canada. Guys, that one listener in Canada has reached out to me and made himself known. Um, His name is David. Uh, David, I apologise for what I'm about to do to your surname because I don't know how you pronounce it. It's David Weewell. 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 David, as you put it, David Knievel. Um, But anyway, David... Dave, Dave, Dave Reno, David. Dave, Dave Knievel will do. Dave Knievel. <laughs> Respect, um, respectfully. <laughs> respectfully. I first actually spotted um, David's stuff on Instagram because he was shooting uh, bands at concerts with a large format speed graphic, which Whoa. I think is great. Of all the cameras to take to shoot concert footage, a 4x5 camera did not strike me as the automatic choice. Um, but yes, that's pretty awesome. David does some great stuff. Um, he's on Instagram. His uh, username is at, I'm going to spell this because I can't say it, at David, W-I-E-W-E-L. And he's out there in Canada. And whenever he listens to our podcast, it rains um, because of the hoodoo voodoo that we place on it and all the goats that we sacrifice before we record. Um, so I hope it's pouring down with rain whilst he's listening now. Uh, great <laughs> what happened to respectfully <laughs> oh yeah sorry um, next up I want to give a big shout out to uh, Tom Kaz um, he has been he 
again been helping us promote the podcast on Instagram, which is really appreciated. Uh, he actually he actually did it last week whilst we were recording the show, and as soon as we finished, I looked and went, ah, oh, I've seen this. I could have given them a shout out then, but um, Tom's been doing some really beautiful stuff lately, uh, shooting with his Rollerflex TLR camera. I think he took his daughter out to a, a local um, gardens and was encouraging her to shoot film as well and just getting some beautiful pictures back. Um, so that's really nice. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, Neil Piper, who has joined the, the forums. Guys, please do come over to the Pixelated Photographer forums. Um, it's getting more and more active there now, uh, discussing the cheap shots challenge and also sort of other bits and pieces that are going on um, and it's great because it's just easier to have a backwards and forwards and also I can swear on the forums and not get into trouble which I do if I do it on the on the podcast because Dave has to edit it out do you know um, what I was going to put on the forums uh, yesterday the fact I think I was wel- welcoming another one of our new joiners uh, uh, and I was going to say one of the funnest games on the forum is figuring out which swear words can get through the automatic engine <laughs> It's crazy. That swear filter is really broken <laughs> because I'll put things on there assuming they'll be bleeped and it's like, oh, that's not, well, weird. Um, um, but anyway, so Neil has been chatting with us on the forums and he's been helping us promote the podcast. Uh, Neil's just got, has taken the C41 plunge and has just picked up a new colour developing kit. So welcome to the club, Neil. And also he promotes, he, and he pushed us over to the um, Instagram feed uh, 2016 shoot more film who also helped push the podcast out um this is a a great feed on instagram which is just picking up quality work that people are shooting on film and sharing it with the rest of us it's run by a guy called paul bicker who's on instagram at paul bicker uh who also takes loads of great pictures um he's obviously a keen film shooter um thank you very much and last one i got from instagram just because i've been watching what they're doing and we're a the film community is great and I think we should support what people are doing the London Camera Project what they're doing with their Instagram feed is again looking for people's work that's doing interesting stuff but they're also talking about technique and subject matter and stuff and just having a conversation about photography in general it's not just film it does seem to be mainly film that they're coming up but um it's an interesting feed and they share some of their own stuff as well i saw a couple of weeks ago that they were out shooting with the um canon uh oh crikey i can't look i've got it here with me the canon waterproof camera the uh, sure shot a1 so i haven't seen any results from their pictures yet but i'm hoping they'll put stuff up so yeah, that's, uh, there are loads of other people on Instagram who I should be shouting out, but that's just a, a handful of them um, who are all awesome people. And I want to say thank you very much because it, it makes a difference to us. You guys are helping us get more attention there. Thank you very much. Absolutely, yeah. So I'd like to add to that a couple of shout outs of my own. So uh, a chap called Jay, who now is uh, joined the forums at pixelatedphotographer.com as well as being uh, a theory of film on instagram and uh, mr something or other on twitter uh, he has various names but good to see you on the forums jay and uh, thanks for taking part yeah but before we move on jay no we're not having a conversation about bags on this <laughs> podcast okay just no stop encouraging aid no we are i'm gonna do uh, my own episode i might invite jay to join me and we're gonna talk for about three hours non-stop about camera bags because oh, that's 
Because it's fun. We'll do it when you're on holiday or something. It'll be fine. That, you won't that, even notice. It's all right. The, the, I'll be putting a plastic bag over my head. That's what I'll be doing whilst you're talking about bags. Do not try this at home, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the opinions and ideas expressed by my not-so-learned colleagues are not the official <laughs> opinions and ideas expressed by the Sunny 16 podcast. Sure they are. It's all gospel. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Okay, so I, I've been uh, quite active on Twitter this week, and I found myself in several conversations, actually, and I think I found what would be, for the film photography world at least, uh, our first famous retweet. So I was talking about a uh, Twitter uh, feed uh, called Snapshot Galleria and actually that's a, a Twitter feed for a real website and they do uh, they curate and show uh, film photography and uh, I'm not sure if it's just film photography but there's a chunk of film photography and I happened to, to mention on Twitter that I really liked them and because they'd done a review of the Japan Camera Hunter the new uh, Street Pan 400 film that uh, they have launched or should I say he Bellamy Hunt has launched and uh, he uh, he retweeted that so that's our first famous or at least famous within the small niche world that is film photography uh, retweet and well, I know you're not a huge consumer of his work because uh, yeah it's there's a lot of photographs of likers and uh, it brings out I know is it a jealous streak in you or okay. something it brings out I don't know. a mile wide guess what I don't have a liker guess what I would really like to have a liker and and there's a chunk of Instagram which is just pictures of liker going <laughs> look at my cool liker like Great, great. I, I'm, yeah, it's just sickening envy. That's all it is, the green-eyed monster. Um, wh what was the opinion of the um, uh, the new film? Uh, they actually, it was, it was. Uh, the, I think the report was written by. It was on snapshotgalleria.com, and the report was written by uh, a girl called Shelley Sometimes, uh, who I think again is, is she has a a fairly well-known Twitter account, um, a Twitter stream. If you are into film photography. Uh, and she spoke very highly of it, uh, said she enjoyed using it, uh, said it has um, uh, quite contrasty, uh, possibly slightly less latitude than some of your your, um, you know, your Ilford HP5s and things like that, which are very famous for their latitude. Um, but she said she enjoyed it, uh, loved the results and would definitely be using it again. So awesome. yeah, um, it is one that I've been uh, thinking I should try as well. So um, maybe uh, we should get a, a, a bulk order in for the Sunny 16 crew. Yes, that sounds a great idea. In four by five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I think they only do 35 mil. But <laughs> we'll, just, we'll glue some pieces together. I've seen people doing this on, on, on Instagram. People just gluing 35 millimeter film together to make four by five. Because, of course, <laughs> there is no idea under the sun that somebody is not trying out. Marvellous. Okay. All right, so that's all the shootouts we got for this week. Shootouts? <laughs> I like it. Shootouts? This is, I'm going nuts with this stuff because yeah, I think it was something uh, that, that Jay posted on Twitter, which is like, I've just been shouted at by the Sunny 16 <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's like I shout yeah. out, shout Yeah, he's been shouted at. Knock it off. Shout out, shout out. You know, it's all respect, isn't it? Well, apart from the back thing. <laughs> apart from the back thing, which is just dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I think we're getting to the end of our string for this evening, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I just want to give a little um, 
uh, peek into the future because we're talking, you know, we've been talking much about the community and uh, how awesome the film community is, and that you've got something coming up, haven't you? That we don't really talk about too much at the moment because it hasn't happened yet. These things can always go a bit wonky, but you're hopefully going to be going out, meeting another member of the film community, and uh, doing an on-the-spot interview at some point. Well, uh, indeed, I'm not sure it'll be an audio recorded on-the-spot interview, but yes, I have. It's I have an internet date, I suppose you could call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tinder, but for film users. I hope it's not too much like Tinder. <laughs> Mrs. A doesn't like that sort of thing. <laughs> a bit uh, like film photography in general. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I um, uh, have a, uh, a meeting, hopefully, uh, one evening next week, uh, which I will report back on. And uh, that might be a link between our podcast and uh, uh, another uh, c- film community. Uh, yes, so we're doing some very cool stuff out there. So yeah, let's see. Let's see what that comes up. I mean, as you say, uh, the reason we do this is so that we can meet people. Yep. Um, and to get rich and famous. Oh yes, yes, in a sort of pinky in the brain style. Uh, I don't know what that is, but you let's don't know what that is. No, it's a cartoon. Were they rich and famous? No, but they were hell bent on world domination. I like the sound of that. <laughs> All right, and on that note. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Uh, Who a pinky in the brain? God's sake. <laughs> um, uh, a cartoon um, of two mice. Uh, one, and it was the classic where the one that thought he was clever wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, like Hong Kong Fooey had a cat who solved all the problems, and uh, I don't know. Na- name another comedy duo and cartoons where the one that thought he was clever wasn't. <laughs> <laughs>